Hey everyone, I'm Gary Hoban and welcome to Refinery Life Church. And welcome to another Tuesday night teaching. If you're on the Gold Coast, come and join us as we meet together on Sundays at 23 T.E. Peters Drive at Broadbeach. We meet at 9.30 and there's only two things. If you're looking for a new church, there's only two things you should really be looking for. Don't worry about kids' programs and what brand of coffee they, they serve or they sell there. But you should be asking yourself, are the people here friendly? And are they preaching the word? Are they preaching the unadulterated word of our Lord? They're the two things you're going to find at the refinery. So come and join us, 9.30 on Sundays, 23 T.E. Peters Drive at Broadbeach. And join me in the Lord's Prayer before we get on any further. We do this every week. It's so simple, but it means so much. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So simple. So simple. You know, the Old Testament prophets were primarily foretellers rather than foretellers. They communicated the message of God to the needs of the day. They weren't handing out fluffy little messages that you're going to be blessed and you're going to be rich and all that rubbish. They were delivering messages for the need of the day. Listen to the major message of the Minor Prophets is the title of the series we're working through. And it's an extension of a message or a series we did a couple of years ago that was the major message of the Minor Prophets. And today we're talking about Micah and the requirements for real religion or of real religion. And religion isn't a dirty word like some people would have you believe. The text we're concentrating on is Micah 6, 8. It says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And the scriptures we're working through are Micah 6, 1 through to 8. Now, if you've got your Bible, open it up and let's read them together. There's a fair bit of scripture here, but just work through it with me. It talks about God pleading with Israel. Verse 1. Hear now what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, O mountains, the Lord's complaint, and you strong foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a complaint against his people, and he will contend with Israel. Verse 3. O my people, what have I done to you? And how have I wearied you? Testify against me. Verse 4. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt. I redeemed you from the house of bondage. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O oh, my people, remember when Balak, king of Moab, counseled. And what Balaam, the son of Bor, answered him. From Acacia Grove to Gilgal, that you may know the righteousness of the Lord. With what shall I come? Before the Lord, and bow myself before the high God. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams on ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? Amen for that. It's a long piece of scripture, but powerful when you really break it down. You know, it could be argued that nothing is more worthy 
than these words from the prophet Micah. They stand as true in the current times that we're in as when they were written in the 8th century BC. And certainly these words are the high watermark of the prophecy. He called the herald of the morn. Micah preached against the sins and injustices of his time in an effort to turn the hearts of his people back to God. Let me tell you, that's what we do at the refinery as well. We want people to turn back to God. Some people get offended with that, but that's okay. He also foretold the coming of the anointed one, the Messiah. When King Herod, disturbed by the coming of the Magi, seeking news of the newborn king of the Jews, asked the chief priests and scribes of the people where Christ should be born, they answered in Bethlehem of Judea and cited Micah 5.2 as their proof. And moreover, Micah prophesied peace that would come as he dreamed of a time when swords would be fashioned into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks and nations would not lean on war anymore. Unlike Isaiah, who was of royal birth and to the manner born, Micah was of the people and for the people, crying out against the oppression of the poor and, and fighting their battles for them. His work was carried out during the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, the kings of Judah. But primarily, it was in the time of Hezekiah. And this book of seven chapters, it's only seven chapters, may be divided into three parts. Firstly, the social conditions of Micah's time. He pointed out the parallel with conditions in Samaria before it fell in 722 BC. Second, he talks of the pitiable state of the nation with the people scattered like shepherdless sheep. But in God's providence, a divine shepherd would be raised up. Hallelujah. The Messiah would come, and he's coming back. And thirdly, Micah speaks of the nature of real religion. Though God's purposes are hindered by human choices, God is neither frustrated nor defeated. You know, our, our stupid choices and our our silliness is actually factored in to the plan that God's got for us. God and righteousness will prevail. No matter what we're going through in this current time, the world is a mess, but God and his righteousness will always prevail. Micah 6 presents a controversy, though, between God and his people, doesn't it? In verses 1 to 5, we hear God's protest as he calls to the mountains to witness and he appeals to history. His experience with his people ought have awakened gratitude and resulting obedience. His call to you should have awakened gratitude and resulted in obedience by now. In verses 6 and 7, we hear a question raised that is really their objection to God's charge. They'd worshipped faithfully, but their observance had been formal, not from the heart, and God was not pleased. Let me tell you, not much has changed now. If you're just going to church to tick the box each week, God is not pleased. You should be worshipping him from the heart. What then would please him? Verse 8 gives us the answer. He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. How that question needs to be sounded loud and clear today doesn't say, build a big worship team. Doesn't have, say, laser lights in your church. 
big screens. It doesn't say any of that. The prophet's question is not what can I get from God, but what does the Lord require of me? Some of us need to change our attitude there. Some of us are more worried about what we can get from God, but not giving him anything back. What does he require of you? What does he require of me? He requires me to preach the word of God every day. What does he require of you? The threefold answer to the question sets forth the requirements of real religion. And it's not just meeting together. It's not just having fellowship, as some people would say. It's not just saying, I don't need the church. I just want a relationship with Christ. That's not the requirements of real religion. Micah started at the outer rim and he moved in toward the center. First thing is the prophet said real, religious, real religion requires justice in our dealings. That's our first point today. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, it says. Our lives must manifest the character of God in all our relationships with others, not just some of them. There must be no inconsistency between our inner life and our open profession between our worship of God in his temple and our dealings with our colleagues in the marketplace. Who you are on Sunday morning should be who you are on Wednesday evening as well. Both Isaiah and Amos, who Micah resembles, tell us that religion that does not produce exalted concepts and standards of morality in the individual and justice and righteousness in society is not genuine. Let that sink in. Genuine religion and injustice never work together. This message was needed in Micah's day when judges were brought with bribes, when merchants used two sets of weights, one to buy and another to sell, and when the rich pillaged the poor but were devout in their religious observances. They went to the temple. They did everything they should do, but they still ripped people off. They still treated people badly. This is not religion but it's a disgusting counterfeit of the real thing. Some of us are worshipping the counterfeit. This message is needed in our day too. Nothing's changed. In the mid-20th century, there was a great upsurge in church attendance. Unfortunately, however, this increase did not result in a higher standard of morality nor a deeper sense of social ethics. It created a wide but shallow, weak church not a deep, strong, Bible-believing and Bible-preaching church. Point two for today. But moving closer in, the prophet said real religion requires love for mercy and kindness. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly and to love mercy? As already indicated, these requirements are presented in an inverted order as the prophet began at the outer rim and moved in towards the center. Justice in our outward dealings is based on love of justice and mercy and kindness in our hearts. We are to love the right for right's sake. We are to hate the wrong for wrong's sake. Religion is a character. It's the character of God in the human being. In his second epistle, Peter described religion in the terms of our being partakers of the divine nature. Have a read at some stage of 2 Peter 1 and 4, 1 through to 4. If we have God's nature in us, we will love the things that he loves, and our God is a God of mercy. Our deeds are an expression of our character. 
If we love mercy, if we love what's right, if we love what God loves, our lives will reflect it. Christian character will exhibit itself. And it is required if religion is to be real religion. Christian character, the character of God planted in people, is the need of this hour. Going to church on a Sunday and then going out into the world and not treating people right, not respecting the church, not respecting your ministers, not respecting the people around you, is not godly character, I can assure you. This is necessary in individual lives. It's necessary in church life. It's necessary in government and in business and in education, in all of the affairs and the realms of the world's life. It is necessary to represent godly character and show godly character. One of the most dramatic and emotional scenes in the Old Testament is Samuel's farewell speech. After the king had covered himself with glory in the defeat of the Amorites and the old man at last realized that he must step down, before all Israel, he said in 1 Samuel 12, 2 and 3, And now here is the king walking before you, and I am old and gray-headed, and look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Here I am. Witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose donkey have I taken? Or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? Or whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And you know what? No one witnessed against him. He had godly character. What was Samuel's secret, do you think? How had this one man been able to draw Israel back to God? Through the integrity of his character. Something we all need to be working on. Let me tell you, the character of some people who call themselves Christian is not very integrous sometimes. We need to be working on integrity. Let it be so among us. Let us start being like Samuel was. Third thing today is getting straight to the heart of the matter. The prophet said, real religion requires a genuine experience with God in our hearts. A genuine experience. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God? Humbly. We should have it highlighted and underlined and in bold. Humbly with your God. God's no respecter of men. This speaks of an experience with God, an experience growing into an intimate fellowship. In Genesis 5.24, we find the precious jewel. And it says, Enoch walked with God. These five words are an awesome biography of a man who knew God and daily increased in his knowledge and likeness until God took him to be with himself. The only way to make a relationship meaningful and real is to spend time in its cultivation. United with God through Christian experience, coming to know God through Jesus Christ, we grow into his likeness as we walk with him. Not hurriedly or reluctantly, but humbly. We're coming in to finish up now. Bear with me. There is a song that may give a wrong idea. It goes like this, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. 
But this could be the wrong approach. We are not to demand that God walks with us. Let us make sure that we walk with him, that we find out where he is going and go with him. Let me encourage you, perhaps watch this message again. And I want to encourage you also, as I do every week, to be diligent with your Bible study time because God has so much more for us than we can get from just going to church once or twice a week and hearing someone else talk about the word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because God is a redeemer. There's nothing that's too hard for him and he can make you whole, spirit, soul and body if you will allow him to. And you're important to God. You know that already. Otherwise, you wouldn't be watching or listening to this. But you're also important to us at the refinery. So when it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal his promises directly to you. Don't wait for the next best prophet to come along. Speak to God. He'll reveal his promises to you. So whatever you're concerned about and need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or any of our social media channels. And until next time, stay in the blessings.